0: joined by Candace Owens. Candace, you're our newest colleague here at The Daily Wire. We're excited to have you. My first question is, I know you've only been here for a few days, but who's your favorite coworker here at The Daily Wire?
1: That is a really good question. Um, I'm going to have to go ahead and say the makeup artists.
0: As long as you didn't say Michael Knowles or one of the other hosts, <laughs> that's what I was worried about. Uh, how do you, so you, you, just, you got to Tennessee, I talked to you off air, last week, and you were talking about your, your experience driving here with a baby, um, and I, you know, I, I did that with four kids, so I, I know a little bit about that. You've been to Tennessee, have you assimilated into the culture yet? I mean, the pickup truck, the uh, cowboy boots and all that, have you done that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that was actually the first day, second day at Tennessee, my husband was like, we're doing two things. We're going to the gun shop, and we're going to go buy a pair of cowboy boots. Gun shop didn't go well because we still have our D.C. uh, driver's license. So you have to have a Tennessee license to buy a gun. So we still have to wait for that. But it wasn't difficult to assimilate into the culture because I think actually that was my culture. Like I'm conservative, right? So I was actually a fish out of water living in D.C. (laughs) Here, I'm like, this is great. (laughs) Everybody thinks like me. So um, it's been awesome. I'm just happy to be in the South. It feels like this is where people are sane. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess you can't relate because you weren't in LA, but Daily Wire was in Los Angeles, and it really is the land of a living dead when you're doing LA, New York, and DC.
0: Yeah, I was living in Pennsylvania. Uh, you had accused me of living in Canada, so that was—you <laughs> spread a rumor online that I lived in Canada. The internet
1: spread it. that rumor, and I believed it.
0: The internet spread it because yeah. you said it. So no, was, no, it was it was, it was it was it
1: was QAnon okay. stuff. It was like Matt Walsh lives in Canada. And I, and I fell for it. I don't know. You know Internet's a dangerous place.
0: To this day, the worst insult anyone has ever leveled at me is like being a Canadian. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about your show. We'll talk about your show in a minute. But first, just to go over some of the stuff happening in the news, I um, want to get your thoughts on a few of it. Uh, I, I guess we have to begin with the royal family because that's what everyone's talking about. I know you've been <laughs> you, you, you've been very vocal. You've been on top of it. So I have two questions. Um, and, and, and the first one is, is a serious question because I really am hoping you can shed some light on this. Why does anyone care about these god-awful people? Mm. So we'll start with that. Why do you think people care that much?
1: So I have to say, I never had an appreciation for the royals, right? It's just, it's something that Americans don't really jive with. It never made sense to me, Uh, but I fell in love and married an Englishman, right? And uh, so I kind of learned to appreciate the significance of the queen and really understanding that there has been, there's been something in their country that has remained solid and has not changed over time. Difficult for Americans to comprehend because we, are, we don't really do tradition. We're kind of like, tear it down, old building, turn it down, tear it down, build something new. Tear it down, build something new. Um, so that's the reason I think that people follow the royals. Now, I, I don't care at all for the Harry and Meghan thing, except for the political undertones of somebody saying... I'm not liked, therefore, it's because I'm 25% black. Like that that stuff bothers me, whether it's, or, you know, we're talking about Democrats saying it, we're, we see that pollution all throughout Hollywood. So, this Hollywood star going into a country that really sort of loves its traditions. Uh, and then accusing them of being fundamentally racist, it's just like, let's keep the American BS race narrative, at least within <laughs> within the bounds of America. Let's not extend it overseas to Europe, because they have a different culture there. They've been around much longer. You know, England never had slaves in its country. And by the way, in terms of worldwide slavery, the Englishmen were the first to abolish it. So she she's sort of relying on American ignorance and the race obsession in America and it, extending it overseas. It's just, it, it's really bothersome. It's arson.
0: So, do you think uh, the American media running to Meghan Markle's defense? Do you think part of that is their how they detest tradition in general, and so they they don't like the royal family for that reason? Is yeah, that I mean, that?
1: think about where we are right now in America. Like, right, that is sort of this like cultural Marxist. Everything that is from yesterday is wrong and needs to be tore down. Everything about America is wrong. We got to get rid of Christopher Columbus. Dr. Seuss is racist. Uh, you know, so we are just obsessed with thinking that everything from the past is wrong, and. Sure, there were elements in the past that were definitely wrong, but in many ways we've thrown out the baby with the with the bathwater. And um, England is just a different place, right? I mean, their population, its there's only 3% black people in England. It's a remarkably, you know, compared to America, a very small country. Um, and so it just sends, it's, it's just, it's so ignorant. It's, it's just the height of ignorance to me uh, to have this D-list actress that nobody knew go over there not her race is not discernible by the eye. You, if she walked in, you would never say Meghan Markle is a black woman, right? And then she says her son, who if you've seen a picture of, and you think that he has faced um, anti-black racism in his life, then I'm a Nigerian prince and I have, you know, an account that you can give, me, you can send some money into. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's, it's frustrating. I think we're just tired of the race narrative here in America, and it's just obnoxious that we sent this girl over here to start to start the same thing overseas.
0: Yeah, I I'm glad you mentioned that. The tw- you said 25% black, right? Is that is that the actual? Uh,
1: Megan is le- Megan is less than 50% black. Her mother is half black. Yes, she's 25 less than 25% black. Yeah. Yeah,
0: because I, I had the same experience when, I, when we first started hearing about her, and we heard that th- this racism against a black woman. My first experience was what she's uh, is she a black woman?
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so
0: it, it does make it a little bit hard to believe, but it does it. I, I think doesn't it tell you something about the way the victimhood? hierarchy works on the left. And it's a really confusing intersectionality. As you know, it's very confusing. But the reason why this woman is able to make a victim of herself, even though she's fabulously wealthy and she's in her 18,000 square foot mansion, you know, and she's got her Netflix deals and everything. And she's sitting on a patio, more expensive than my house and talking to Oprah and all that. She's still the victim. Right. um, Because she's less white than the other ones, right. and so that it's all about the intersectionality.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous, and it's the same thing I say to my husband, so we, I now have a half-black, half-white son, and I always say to my husband, is he half-privileged or half-oppressed? Like, what, is he p- oppressed or privileged? You know, this is sort of the weird thing, and it, she never, throughout her life, she never presented as black, it wasn't like she was playing black characters who wanted people to identify her as black, but it became convenient for her when she realized, okay, the entire United Kingdom hates me, I'm not a very likable person, and the elements that they hated about her are the elements that I think conservatives say about Hollywood, right, where she just wanted to be the center of attention at all times, and she couldn't respect tradition. And then she goes around and says, okay, well, how can I make the American press love me since I've been sort of chased out of the country because no one likes me there? And the obvious thing for her was... I'm in Hollywood, so I'm going to take, you know, the race narrative. And it's just pathetic, you know. You're wealthy, by the way, even if you weren't. Sometimes in life, people don't like you. I know. <laughs> Google my name. You know what I'm saying? I've got tons of hit pieces against me. I've never once read those hit pieces and said, well, it's clear they don't like me because I'm black. You know, it's sometimes people don't like you. Deal with it.
0: How do you think, with, with the victimhood hierarchy, because I'm always fascinated by this, uh, we know that she can put herself on it for the for the racial issue. But who are, I can never quite figure out on the left who are the uber victims who's at the top of the of the hierarchy i think it's probably lgbt trans is it is it is that what it is but it it's seems weird. to change depending on who who the person is
1: yeah it's weird so the trans stuff what i've noticed is it does seem like okay they are the biggest victims but that's actually not true because black americans by and large, do not support the trans agenda. That's actually being pushed by wealthy white people. Um, so it's it's very interesting to try to discern, even now when you see like a big race scandal and you'll be like, oh, this person was canceled because they were racist. Most of the time it's white people that are canceling people. It's not black people that are up in arms. Like Black people did not th- go up in arms about Dr. Seuss. That was literally created by, by white people who are now wielding the, the race sword and being like, ah, you must go, Morgan Wallen scandal. Black people were like completely out of the know of Morgan Wallen is, right? I mean, so they're like, yeah. so this is actually white people being empowered and using race as a tool and white people establishing that the trans agenda is now their new frontier of oppression. So, um, no, I don't think that I think black is peak, peak victim. And if black Americans were like, cut this out with the trans stuff, they would have to sort of cut it out. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting because. Really, the question is, is who's deciding on these cancellations and these victimhoods? It it ends up being, if you follow it, wealthy white corporations.
0: And of course, you you add in the political ideology part of it, because by that equation, you should be able to claim victimhood, but you can't, because you're actually at the bottom. Right. Because even though you're a black woman, you're conservative. So you're you're, you're like, you become the uber villain.
1: But also what's magical about it, though, is they don't know how to defeat me, because in order to defeat me, they'd have to go against their own rules, right? So they have decided that being a black woman, like I'm at the top of the progressive stack, right? Like black women need to find their voices. Like Megan, in her interview, I guess, said um, something about like I felt like the Little Mermaid who fell in love with the prince and lost her voice, which is just one of the most. She really say that. She well, actually mermaid. said that. Oh, dear which Lord. you see what I mean? Like it just makes you cringe and it makes you angry. You're just like. <sighs> Hollywood, right? As a little mermaid, and it's like, no, like you found a wealthy guy that could help you climb a ladder because you were a D-list actress. The yeah. end. You won. Great. Walk away into the into the sunset and be happy. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. do you because find they that you don't know how to attack me?
0: Don't don't you find that you get even more hate than let's say I would as a white man? Oh yeah. Because not only you're saying unpopular things, but also there's this element of. You're betraying. The left thinks that they should, that you belong to them. Right. So they get very
1: frustrated because it's like they. Uh, they assumed all of this power by creating these sort of victimhood channels. And one of those things was black women are always victims. So when a black woman denies being a victim and says, you know, I, I don't want to take the victim card, I don't believe in the black card, um, I feel remarkably privileged in this country to be an American living and breathing at this time, you are you are privileged. They just go, oh, because now they don't know how to defeat me without being racist themselves right because attacking a black woman is fundamentally racist so they just want me to go away and they don't know how to make that happen
0: we were talking about the trans thing a second ago uh gender i've noticed it seems like correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like you're in recent months you've been focusing especially on on gender issues yeah going back to the infamous harry styles (laughs) your your controversial opinion that you don't think men should wear dresses i don't know how you could possibly say such a thing Uh, But so there's that. And then there's the the women, the men in sports and all those sorts of things. I think that the gender issues have been I've I've been saying for years that this is one of the central battlefields of the culture war. It's time for conservatives to wake up to it and Mm -hmm. and start engaging. This is not a sideshow. It it felt for for so long that conservatives said, well, this is a fad. It'll go away. It's not. So what. I, am, am I correct that you've been focusing on this more, and and if so, wh- why why is this important? Do you think
1: so? I actually haven't been focusing on it more. It's just that it's kind of finally come to fruition, uh, which you you know you predicted it. i predicted it. So three years ago, when I was first speaking out, I was like, watch this, because this is something that you think, oh, oh, it's it's less than one percent of the population. It's you know it's it's not going to ever be a thing. And I was like, mm. I just kind of saw it kind of brewing, and I had done tons of episodes on my show, my previous shows, talking about. It. When I was sitting in college campuses, I was talking about it. And then it feels like sort of in the last six months they sort of became really obsessed with now even calling a woman a woman is wrong, right? Like even trying to say you know all of these terms woman X, how do you even say it? Wim X? Womenxin? X,
0: womenx. Wimksen. Wim mixin'? Wim mixin',
1: I Well mixin', yes. Right. I,
0: I also thought w- I thought it was Latinx, but I'm Latinx. told that it's a Latin X. No,
1: let's go with Latinx, yeah, right? Latinx. And, and Which is hilarious because if you ever use the word Latinx, it's the easiest way to discern that someone is not actually Latino or Latina because they'd have to do away with the entire language. Yeah. Everything is a gender in Spanish. <laughs> La mesa, that's table. Like It's like boy or girl for everything. Um, but yeah, so I just saw it coming, and I wanted to really assert myself on that issue because it is... I mean, it is just the greatest undoing, trying to—you get to, A, destroy families, weaken society. I mean, you can do everything through the the transgender movement that the left is really after, which is just chaos. Um, So, yeah, I just spoke out against it. And I will say this. Like I said earlier, it is the one issue that black Americans are the most uncomfortable with. And so I have not— you know, I've seen black Americans across both sides of the political spectrum say, okay, on this, she's 100% right, which makes sense because if you pull black America in terms of their politics, they've never been big supporters of the LGBTQRNSTUV. That's also,
0: you don't, yeah, whatever it is. I <laughs> uh, just say the whole alphabet, but <laughs> you, you say that, that black Americans don't support this. And I've, I've I've heard that before, but you don't hear that that voice, the voice is heard through you, but mm-hmm. it's not, they don't They don't have very many um, outlets to express that. I mean, BLM, for example, is, at least before they scrubbed their their page that, you know, laid out their whole agenda, the stuff about uh, tearing down the... Families. Yeah, families. They, they took a lot of that stuff off. But before they took that stuff off, you read it and you thought, well, this is just a, this is an LGBT group. This right. is not, there's very little here even about race. It's mm-hmm. mostly about trans and... Um, so is that... Uh, it, Why don't we hear that expressed more? I mean, is it? Yeah, um,
1: you know, I think you do. It's just not given, it's not given air. So, like, I definitely have heard Charlemagne the God, right, on The Breakfast Club talk about various political issues, and he will always give, they will always side on the Candace is right on this one, you know? And definitely throughout the Harry Styles thing, actually it was the first time black Twitter ever came to my defense, by the way, as they call it, hashtag black Twitter, um, because, you know, Noah Cyrus, Miley Cyrus, apparently has a little sister, and she jumped in to defend Harry Styles, and in the process called me like a nappy headed hoe. And then it kind of went viral on Instagram. And they were all talking about the issue, saying this is this is just not something we accept. But the media won't cover it. So it yeah. sort of exists in this bubble on social media. Whereas I, I know you speak to black Americans. They never, ever, ever have attacked me on my position on women are women and men are men. Um, and I think that they really see that as an attack on black men, you know, and it's attack, it's an attack on all men, you know, what it means to be a man. And we already have so many issues when it comes to father, fathers uh, in the home and what it means to be a man in black America as is. So yeah. it's just not something that they're going to get behind. So it's a losing issue, um, for Democrats, which is why I'm okay with them trying to force this down people's, uh, throats because in my opinion, you start calling a black woman's child, you know, her son, by a female name, and you're going to wake up, you know, a sleeping, a sleeping giant.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's it's a losing issue, I think, across most demographics. Yeah. Uh, it's just that again, there's this. The, it's it's hard to get that voice out there, um, right. Because the media doesn't want it doesn't want to air that. But w- one other thing I want to ask you before we talk about your show on this topic, there's this Gallup poll that came out. I don't know if you saw it last week. I think it was. Um, Talking about the the rise of LGBT identification in the younger generation, Gen Z, and they're defining. I think they define that as 1990, born between nineteen ninety seven and two thousand two or something. Uh, so th- this this leaves out like our kids' generation. I mean, and and, and even other other kids, but um, they found in the Gallup poll that something like twelve percent of this generation identifies as bisexual, like mm-hmm. easily ten times higher than other uh, older generations. The, the number of transgender um, identifications ten times higher. There, there are now more trans identifying people in Gen Z than there are lesbians. Um, now, I got in some trouble on Twitter because I said that I think this is a an active effort by the LGBT left mm-hmm. to essentially recruit kids to indoctrinate kids into mm-hmm. their way of thinking. Yeah, um, what do what you, what's your take on that?
1: My take on that is first and foremost, I have realized, as I said with the race issue, that a lot of the times it's not black Americans behind it. It's not LGB behind this trans agenda. You speak; I've spoken to tons of people that are on the left, lesbian, gays, and they are uncomfortable with what they don't even understand why they're being forced to pretend to defend this. I mean, LGB really has nothing to do with T. Right. Um, and they've been able to amass a lot of power, push through policies. Uh, California just pro- proposed a bill um, that boys and girls sections that would make boys and girls sections in retail stores and online stores illegal and that people that have signs that say boys section girl section will get fined a thousand dollars right you can't tell me that gays and lesbians got together and were like this is just unbelievable um so there's there's something political that's pushing this and they're they're hiding um behind the lgb people to try to push that through um which is interesting and it's super alarming but in regards to um children identifying, which is definitely happening. Um, They're being encouraged in the school system. So again, there's something coming down the political pipeline that's encouraging them to see. And then you have these woke parents who are like, well, this is just who my child is. And what I always say is that if you show me a trans child, it's like showing me a vegan dog, you know who's making the decisions. It's it's just like, my dog's a vegan. No, your dog's not. You know what I mean? (laughs) My child's trans. No, your child's not, you know, you are, you know, (laughs) putting this lifestyle upon the child because you just don't think, I grew up, I've been a a kid, you don't think like that when you're a kid. You don't think in terms of sexual identification, gender identification, you hardly even know what this stuff even means. You just kind of want to run around on a playground and have some fun. I was the ultimate tomboy when I was, um, I would probably say from six to ten. I was just like, I just wanted to hang out with the boys, just wanted to wear baggy clothes, and thank goodness um, that I grew up in the 90s because my mother wasn't like, well, you're Michael. You're obviously Michael. You know what I mean? They were just like, you're Candace going through a tomboy phase. And then, you know, when I got older, suddenly I thought those boys I was running around the playground with were attractive. Uh, so these kids are not even being allowed to grow up and their parents are pigeonholing them into these, these decisions, which if you grow up and, you know, allow that to happen, th- this is going to end up with depression, suicide. The rates are staggering for, for transgendered individuals who actually transition. Um, and commit suicide thereafter. There's a lot of transitioning regret and it's because they don't have parents parenting.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and, and that's sad.
0: Yeah, to your point about this not being an LGB thing but a T thing, uh, you know, when you look at the numbers, the, the L lesbians are being basically erased in the younger generations yeah. uh, as we see the trans numbers go up. And it's also, it's interesting you say as a tomboy, uh, you know, if, if, that, if, if you were a tomboy now with some of the modern parents, they, they'd say you were trans. And that's why it's this—it's this irony where, um, actually, the left has made gender a more rigid thing because now it's actually, if you're a girl, you're not allowed to behave right. like a boy because if you do, now you become a boy. Right. Um, so for a long time, it, it seemed like they were saying, "Well, just because you know, let's let's open up, let's be more open-minded, and if you're a girl, it doesn't mean you have to play with dolls. You can right. play with trucks too." I'm on board for that. Mm-hmm. But now they've, they've, they've kind of contradicted themselves. And they said, well, come to think of it, if you're, if you're a girl playing with the tr- trucks, maybe you're actually a boy, so. Right,
1: yeah, they've made it more rigid, and that's what I say in terms of race, too. These things that they focus on, they say that they're trying to make things better. They always worsen them, you know, that it wasn't an issue for girls to play with guys. If, if I was in the toy store and saw a boy's sign and a girl's sign, A, I don't even know if I was reading it at the time that I was going to Toys R Us, which is now extinct. Um, but uh, secondly, if I wanted to go into the boys' aisle and grab something, I would have just done it. My parents would never been like, what are you doing in the boys' aisle? I never felt traumatized that there were like, you know, they were you know, they or filtering uh, products. And by the way, guys do, they gravitate towards different things. My, my brother paid, uh, played with entirely different things. We wanted the Barbies. It wasn't because of a gender construct, you know. We wanted the Barbies. I wanted to take care. I wanted to pamper. I wanted a baby doll. Those maternal instincts happen at such a young age. My um, uh, brother, he wanted video games. He wanted trucks. He wanted things that I just wouldn't have played with. But nothing was stopping us from playing with the other, you know, the other toy. It's certainly not right. our parents.
0: Yeah, that's I, I, my first kids were boy girl twins. And you know, you, put, you bring them to the playroom, got all the toys laid out. And even at two years old, they tend to gravitate towards their gender typical toys. But it's right. not like I'm standing there to my son, get your hands off that doll. That's, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Trucks are for you, son.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: now, okay, let's, we got to talk about your show. That's, that's, that's supposed to be the main topic here. We've gone off and, I'm not a very good interviewer. I'm taking us in oh, uh, it's fine. Circuitous it's fun. Path.
1: It's best when they're just natural, yeah. you know.
0: Uh, so your your show is debuting soon. Can yeah. you tell us? I I it, even even here, I've been. It's been sort of like mysterious. What is the key yeah, to show very mysterious. I heard there's going to be an audience. I heard these kind of things. So yeah. what's uh? Can you tell us about the show? Can you give us a lot of rumors? Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. So I think you know we kind of just wanted to create something that hasn't really been done before for conservatives. And it's the time is super opportune, right? You have minimally 80 million Americans who just feel like they're not being heard right now and uh, who feel like they're being castigated for their political views. And it also feels like we've been increasingly shut out of culture, like, oh, we can't have You know, conservatives aren't allowed to be funny. They're not allowed to have live audiences. This is not a thing that conservatives are allowed to do. So we are doing a live, uh, live audience show, and it will be very much in the vein of a lot, like a lot of the old school late night talk shows when they were actually fun, right? When they actually had a sense of humor and they weren't so polarizing um, and done entirely at the expense of half of the country. Um, And so I always say to people, I wanted to create something and it's, it's so funny to me to say this now, but when I was growing up, I loved Chelsea Lately before she went, lefty, wacko, couldn't take a joke, and now she's taking Xanax to deal with the election results. She was funny. Along Once upon a time, Chelsea Handler was actually funny and irreverent and had a sense of humor and made fun of everyone. Um, and it was a feel-good show. It had, you know, it had a panel. So there were elements that I, I really loved and missed about having a woman who could have a sense of humor and not take herself so seriously, um, first and foremost, and just kind of creating a show that does still also have a real purpose. We're not sitting around talking about celebrities like she was talking about, but we are talking about these sort of really important political issues um, that are getting lost because a lot of the times, you know, the news cycle moves so quickly that it's almost, we're all ADD, right? One second you're trying to talk about this issue and then they've kicked it and they're talking about this issue. And I really wanted to sort of um, get people focused on these issues, like we just talked about in this show, um to really understand what is happening in this country, how serious it is, um, but also to give them a message of hope. And that's through my monologue and my epilogue, what would you say at the end when you say something at the end? Epilogue, maybe
0: call it an epilogue, sure. Yeah,
1: but like mo- no, but like the opposite of an epilogue is a prologue, and I wouldn't call the monologue the prologue. Well, I guess it's a monologue prologue. yeah, and then it's a monologue epilogue.
0: I just call it the monologue at the end. Yeah. The simplest thing. yeah.
1: monologue at the end Um, and and sort of giving them a sense of hope and and letting people know okay it does kind of feel like the world's on fire and we're just watching it burn Um, but there there are some things to feel hopeful about people are fighting back people are winning Um, and to invite you know for the interview segment, Americans you know of of course there will be some celebrities um, put into the show as well, but also, I'm inspired by a lot of Americans that are fighting back, uh, students who are fighting back against uh, the indoctrination that's happening at their schools, and uh, it's gonna be a really fun show.
0: That's, bringing the hope into it is good, because I, and that'll be good to eject a little bit of sunlight here, because I'm just doom and gloom. <laughs> that's my perspective, is we're yeah, all Yeah, some people
1: like to watch the world burn, right? Yes. That's your show.
0: So, but it, it, it's, I think it's hard to inject sometimes uh, actual hope in a way that is, that's, that's real and substantive and not, and not superficial.
1: Right. And and to inspire people, like I said, I, you know, I was reading a story about these literal, I'm trying to get them on my show, but these Catholic teens who were going to school at the obviously at the time of George Floyd, uh, George Floyd protesting and when everyone just went super woke and one of their classmates had gone back and found old pictures of them, where the kid had acne. In one picture, he had an all-white face mask. The next picture, he had an all-green face mask with his two buddies. And they just said, "That's blackface, green mask, acne mask." He actually had acne. The school—that is he, he got expelled, and they and they said, "We know you didn't actually do this, but it's very important for us to send a political message right now in this time." Incredible. Oh,
0: hang on, he got expelled. He got expelled. For, for they said you either said Yeah, radiation. you
1: either withdraw or we're gonna expel you. And his parents withdrew and then lawyered up and are suing and are actually winning, right? And so that's kind of the message people need to hear. Because I always get these questions of like, what can I do? What can I do? Fight, you gotta fight. This is not a time now to say what can I do. Your parents, you gotta fight for your students. You gotta go in, you gotta march into the doors. And if they do something crazy like that, well it's just it's an important message for us to send that you and Greenface is in fact not okay you know because george floyd died and it's what <laughs> what world are we living in um so kind of like those stories talking to these teens talking to these parents parents need to see that and say wow they won you know and and um know that they can do that too it's, it's very easy you don't need to always look to your political heroes and say and and figure out what you can do it, it's going to start on the it, it's going to start at the ground level or it's not going to happen you know
0: well we're all excited for the new show yeah. um and uh thanks for joining us candace
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely.